Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Wetzel from Epic Initiator Coaching. I'm a life and relationship coach. This is also your host, Nick Carl. He's Hello. an experienced somatic experiencer. I have experience. He has experience. Yes, a lot of experience. Um, and we're here on the So Emotional podcast to de-stigma, no, I got it wrong again, um, to clear up the stigma and enigma around emotions. Emotions, what are yeah. those? What are those? And if you feel them, you're lucky. Uh, sometimes you can just feel a very small amount or you can feel dead inside. So, Boxed but in. yeah, boxed in. Um, so for today's episode, we thought we would take on polyamory, <laughs> which actually, to be honest, it makes me really nervous to talk about this, but it's just because I, I will I will say this as a, as a disclaimer for myself, and I have a feeling that you might agree, Nick, where it's such a like popular topic, and it's so much you know it's it's kind of I don't want to say it's a fad because I'm sure some people won't feel that way, but it's so very um, it's an evolution. It's it's part of our zeitgeist now, so people are aware, right. a sign of the times, um, and it's something that I think in some ways does seem a little bit trendy, but it also makes a lot of sense because I think what can happen is when you have any institution that has like the monopoly over things, which monogamy has had for such a long time, it makes sense that we might swing to the opposite side of that, and maybe the the real answer um, of how people want to do relationships is somewhere in between that. Like maybe it isn't this um, old Catholic or religious idea of monogamy and maybe it's not polyamory either, but we're sort of over here discovering what this is and what it means. But basically what I'll say is this is based on my own limited perspective and just kind of my, my own thoughts, my own curiosity about it, um, some ideas that I have about it. I'm by no means an expert on this, but as a relationship coach, of course, I've asked a lot of deep questions about this. I'm very curious and I, I've done a bit of homework on it myself, although I have never been polyamorous. Um, I have had former partners refer to me as probably one of the more monogamous people they've ever met. Like they truly believe I'm naturally monogamous. So I may be biased. Um, I also do have a religious background. Like I was raised in the Catholic church and then I switched over to Baptist with my family when I was a teen, but now I just view myself as more of a like spiritual, non-religious, non-dogmatic person. So saying all that, um, I guess is to say like I don't have my own experience of being polyamorous, but I do have You're going my to speak point. about it. And I'm I know, I know, right? Oh my it's god. Like why? Why? Um why? Why? Uh, but, because but, uh, whatever, you're in the space. You think about these things. You think about I relationships, do. right? You think about emotions and right. those right. tie in deeply to the topic. So yes. I think, I think that, well, and well, attachment, you know, attachment, yes, absolutely. So, so it's just through my own perspective of having, um, uh, having a lot of relationship experience myself, having coached a lot of people, um, in various stages of relationships in various like inquiry around relationships. Like this is a perspective that I carry, but by no means as the end all be all. And um, I actually am interested in, of course, like learning more. Um, I'm, I'm always open to learn more, I guess is what I'm saying too. So I don't think we have to, <laughs> I don't like, we don't have to flog ourselves for having opinions, right? Like 
for the people who know you and have listened yeah. to you and have like developed any kind of relationship with you or decide maybe they want to, they could like show up and like give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Like to be, yeah. uh, God damn it. But anyway, to like give you that leeway to like think openly about something. That's all you're asking for, right? Yeah. And, but I, I do have a, a certain perspective on it. And I just thought it would be fun for whatever reason today. It just, to me, felt like the most right. fun, interesting thing to talk about. But in some ways, it also feels like scary to talk about too, which sure. makes it more fun but, and exciting in some ways. So um, one of the things you said earlier, which I think seems pretty normal. So I, I feel like that time so much is changing in the world right now everything is changing right so i think like in a lot of ways you just take whatever is established and just say no we're going to do it a different way and just like flip it on its head and just go the other direction right it seems just like there's so there's like sort of a coin aspect you know yeah i just sort of feel like when oftentimes if if there's been like a certain paradigm or um you know, what ends up happening is like when people feel like they're imprisoned or they're stuck in a certain paradigm, whether that's, um, you know, feeling the oppressive like patriarchy or something like that. Right. And, right. and of course I think, um, some like monogamy has been a certain like tool of the pa patriarchy in the past and like the, some of those religious contexts. Sure. Um, so anytime there's been something like that, and then there's uh, a change in culture, or, or finally people are like, you know, let us be who we are, do what we want. And then there can be a, a pendulum swing and we can go from one extreme into another, which is, is so very human. Like I see this all the time when it comes to like people in relationships, if there's something that we don't like, or we feel oppressed by this, it's so normal when you have your own family or your own relationships. Like if you had a parent who was very authoritarian and was like had very strict and rigid rules, it's, and you hated that, it's very likely you will show up as the opposite mm -hmm. in your own family and right. be that like, well, I don't have boundaries or, you know, show up with a kind of spongy, like no energetic backbone because everything that you knew about structure and authority was actually painful. And so it's just like that it's so normal to go in the opposite direction, but the opposite direction doesn't necessarily mean it's the answer. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're healed. And it doesn't necessarily mean that mm -hmm. you're in alignment with what the truth is, which is usually, which usually comes from a place of, I believe, harmony or balance. And so okay. I think, um, you know, cause we basically, we already did this podcast earlier on the phone cause we were just somehow just got into a big conversation about it. And I was like, we should have just recorded this, but um, it's not necessarily about whether this is right or wrong or moral or amoral, whatever. It's more about, I think it's up to the individual or individuals to know what is correct for them. Like what is, what is their um, highest expanded like self? Like what is, what is like the pinnacle of their evolution? And like, mm -hmm. no, I don't think anyone can really answer that specifically. So I, I'm not, and I guess that's kind of what I wanted to say is I'm not coming at this from a place of, like judgment per se it's more like curiosity into like what is an actual like healthy empowered way of doing relationships how however that looks and when is it coming from a wounded place and so from my observations here it's going to be more of what i see from uh people opting into this from more of an unconscious place but that could also be opting into monogamy from an unconscious place too oh, absolutely. so that's kind of what i want yeah. right that's what i want to explore yeah. which i believe both of those things happen a lot right well i think that just leaving judgment at the door right and staying in curiosity and compassion like if you can keep your like your yeah. your mind there and your heart there and your questions there and like just come from that place then it like gets around the sort of like the morality of it and then more into the like energetic creativity of it right like where is this coming from like you said wounded or healed places and what's the what is mm -hmm. the spirit of the thing you know because absolutely yeah. so i think about just in general out there like we've shot from the hip before it's like it's like how many people are aware of their like deep emotions and it's like ooh, that's 
low number, right? Okay. So how many people are like uh, keenly aware of how their attachment styles work and how those tie into all that stuff? It's like, oh God, another ish low number. I don't know. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm curious. I'm actually curious. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, uh, it would be interesting to really know that, but I don't like if we were to base that on like trending hashtags on, on Instagram, I would say that number is still pretty low in, right. in terms okay. of so many other things. Yeah. So, you know, so I like what you said about, yes, like all of those from, uh, from wounded places can absolutely show up in uh, heterosexual relationships for sure. And we, we talk about those plenty, I think, you know, so, but from a, so, so you from mean a, like heterosexual, like monogamous or any kind of monogamous, whether it's homosexual, heterosexual, but you, yeah. you meant to say monogamous. Yes. Yes. I uh, just, yes, I did mean okay. to say monogamous. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. So from a, an attachment perspective then, so what do you think are some of the patterns that could be happening? Uh, yeah. Polyamorous, uh, People. Yeah. So it's funny because um, <laughs> how much do I share on this? Um, I have a lot of experience uh, with so my last partner, who I'm absolutely adore. I adore him. Well, you know that I adore him. Hmm. Um, he, when we first, so he had actually dated someone before me that had been polyamorous. And then she was like, no, I just want to be with you. And then when there was like a moment where they were going to commit and she was like, oh, never mind. Like, I want to bang other people, which I find very interesting, right? It's like in the moment of that commit commitment. So it was around commitment, like changing her mind. So that makes me think it's really not about, um, it, it's about like the commitment issue. It's not necessarily monogamy or polyamory or like that relationship, Right. So it makes me wonder like what the nervous system is doing. And then um, when it came to our relationship, he had said at first what he was really interested in was monogamy because of this past painful experience that he had too. And he was engaged before. Um, And then we had been together for a few years. And then when it came time for us to like move forward and there are certain timelines and commitment, like timelines in relationships and like monogamous relationships, especially. And they're usually around like the nine month or, or three or four months is usually when you stop dating other people and you become more exclusive, generally speaking. And then another six months from now, like nine months to a year is when you might discuss like moving in together or kind of making things like a little more permanent, not necessarily like marriage, but you might expect like maybe moving in. And then somewhere between like that year and maybe a couple to a few years, you might anticipate like engagement or potential like actual marriage, something like that within that timeline. And usually it's not, it doesn't always take that long and sometimes it takes longer, but everyone has I believe a different set point for commitment. But when it came to us, when we got to that like three-year mark and it came to us really talking about how to move our lives like closer together, um, he was having a very similar reaction to the former partner that he didn't identify with before. And so he has been saying that he believes like he is polyamorous or he is not able to be monogamous. And from an attachment perspective, just what I know about him and his own and his history, as well as like my own history, because like it's not lost on me why I might find myself in a relationship with someone who um, is a little bit skittish at the the first sign of commitment. Um, and this wasn't always the case with me. Um, I did I was married for nine years, but again, being married or not actually doesn't mean that much when it comes to identifying like how secure you are or not or how um or like what your attachment style is and so basically i just find it very interesting um people that usually have a um, commitment issues are more avoidant and there's a reason why like 
more commitment can feel overwhelming or having someone get too close to you, like that can just feel like too much. And then there's um, certain ideas that come with relationships when it comes to attachment. So if we didn't have a secure attachment and our idea of relationship is tainted, meaning our definition of love or relationship is mixed with pain or fear or conflict, then it means then to our nervous system would be like, why would I opt into that? Because then there's some idea that this thing would have some sort of power over us. Or if we make the commitment, we can't change our minds or we're stuck and then we don't have a voice. And then of course, that can bring us back to situations where we were with people who were unconscious or not attuned to us and we weren't able to have boundaries. Um, we had emotions just thrust on us or when we felt emotions, we were punished or rejected. And so just an entire um, lack of power of um, being defenseless and completely dependent on somebody. So very trapped, right? And so that actually makes up a huge portion of like why people would shy away from commitment because those younger parts that were not securely attached or had a lot of fear or there was abuse or trauma in those relationships, like commitment, like being trapped, commitment feels like being trapped or um, like you suddenly feel claustrophobic around other humans. There's a reason for that. And it's a good reason and it makes a lot of sense. But I am suspect, I suspect that the majority of polyamory, polyamorous tendencies actually come from deep pain or deep trauma or insecure attachment where the word relationship is synonymous with pain and suffering and trauma and giving up your autonomy or self-sovereignty. So most people can't hold the idea of commitment and freedom together. Did that answer the question today? Yes. I know I said a lot. <laughs> so I think this goes back to the initial point, right? It's like consciousness or unconsciousness, because what you're describing, the relationship with all these things, like if I wanted to keep adding in there all the time, is these are unconscious things okay yeah of course yeah and yeah well, uh, yeah, well but i but but there's the rub between the conscious and the unconscious right so here is this giant unconscious deep uh abiding which it means it's like everywhere uh relationship with a very super fundamental thing which is how i get close to people right mm -hmm. so here he is did the dude i've been hanging out with you for three years pretty good pretty good pretty good and then when you get but when you get to the point of like intimacy and he gets right up to that line and it's just like oh and there's a term right like people change mm -hmm. their behaviors or that they will like declare something right right i've absolutely done this multiple times the declaration though does not reflect the reality of what's happening inside the person right like well it, wait explain that what do you mean by that? The declaration of what? Like commitment or love or what? Well, I'm just saying, uh, we'll just say in this specific case, right? And I am, <laughs> I'm being creative with how I'm doing this, right? Well, so he sits there and he's just like, you know, I want to be polyamorous or I'm going to like whatever. I mean, okay, Bob or whatever. Damn, I didn't mean to do that. Bob, we or we Bob or whatever. <laughs> Bob is just sitting there. Bob is sitting and then he. <laughs> Bob, yes. So anyway, Bob is there. Mm -hmm. But when the point comes in the moment of intimacy, because these are like, as time goes, as time goes by, these are the timelines of relationship, right? What's happening is as time goes on, intimacy increases, hopefully, right? Because those are more intimate yeah. steps. You're dating exclusively, 
Oh, you're not dating yeah, exclusively. Like, then you're dating it more exclusively. So that, like the walls are closing in. Right, like higher more risk. Like higher more, risk. Yeah. More, more interdependence. Like I'm going to depend on you to be there. Are you going to be there? Okay, well then I'm just going to date you. Or like then six months in. Yeah. Oh, you're going to move in. I'm going to depend on you. You're going to be a big enough person to like sit and be in my life and live in my life. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. Like I don't let everybody do that. You know, that's a big interdependence, you know. So like the intimacy... I think is kind of a little bit interchangeable with interdependence. Intimacy isn't necessarily inter interdependence or relying on people, you know. But once you hit the wall of what you deeply understand to be your relationship with a thing, so deeply, Bob or this guy, right? He can't. He can't trust that. Bob, Bob can't yeah. trust that because that that's shifty. That's shifty space. But Bob came to that conclusion at such a time where he has no relationship with that fundamental thing in his like adult brain. And so the adult brain just like bounces around, right? And so he'll just like come up with a thing of like reasons why that is, you know, uh, at, right. least, at least I did. Like, and I could kind of sense, like suss out a little bit what was going on, but I just knew fundamentally that that like, it was usually so in a, in a, uh, uh, monogamous relationship in the way I did it, you know, like when I would get myself, it was just like, nope, here's A, B, C, D, and Z of why we shouldn't be together. These are the reasons. See you later, you know. All these reasons that I came up with in my adult brain were all just total hogwash bullshit, you know. This is what I could come up with, and this is just the thing I waved in front of me. This is it. But the real reason was that I didn't trust what was happening here. Like I was about to be like locked in or whatever, whatever, right. the, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, gosh, there's just so many, I'm like real, I'm like, why did we pick this topic? <laughs> so much here to talk about. But um, for those of you that didn't catch that, we're referring to my former partners, Bob, to protect the innocent. Bob. And Bob, like what about Bob? Which is so appropriate because we were, you sent me that clip earlier from what about Bob, which mm -hmm. is really funny. Um, but something else that um, I guess I'll, I'll just say, like one of his concerns was that he didn't want to hurt me because sure. he felt like didn't want to be a bad guy. Didn't want to be a bad guy. Didn't want to hurt my. Didn't want to hurt me because he felt as though at some point he would have to, or like maybe unconsciously, or it would just happen, or he would want to, or I don't know how clear that that was like, I mean, I've spoken to him many, many times actually on this topic, but that he would end up like cheating on me or having sex with someone else. And then he felt like that would really hurt my feelings. Right. And he didn't want to do that or like be that person, mm -hmm. but something. And, and then there was like, um, the idea was though, that he could not trust himself not to do that. Uh, which, well, I, he trusted himself. He did trust himself deeply to keep himself safe, right? So that's what's happening. Yes. Maintaining safety, right? Un unconsciously. Right. But that's really he, what's happening, right? That's, I, that's I believe the primary so, mover, yes. right? I believe so, is that what feels best to his nervous system is to have an out of some sort. Mm -hmm. Now, on another level... To me, I have another question that comes up too, because I would say um, in the relationship, someone who is going to create more distance or to add, you know, like any kind of more distance, more obstacles to intimacy, a person that adds that and that relies on something external from the relationship for like their self-regulation or if they're co-regulating with something outside the relationship which um, for avoidance is often like process or substance addictions. And then in my mind, the, then the question is, is it possible that there is some element of sex addiction here? Okay, didn't follow it all. <laughs> okay. The sex I'll, addiction. Okay, I'll, I'll say so it. They're using it again. a substance outside of the relationship to help sort of like maintain their nervous system. Yes. Okay, so hold on. So, in, in order to talk about this part, then maybe I should explain avoidance. Um, so, and because we didn't do a podcast yet and we didn't like talk about avoidant attachment style. 
So the avoidant attachment style, like the, the main fear can be enmeshment. Like it's, it's essentially like, um, I would say like engulfed, engulfed. Yeah. Engulfment, enmeshment. So it's almost like lose yourself. Right. loss of identity of power of self-sovereignty in some way so and and that can be um at its very core like a feeling of shame and failure which is very 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 heavy okay okay and then generally how that shows up in partnership is or, or these these um people with these aspects and um this is something that i've had to heal through as well because my like main attachment style was fearful avoidant which is is essentially disorganized attachment meaning you have both avoidant and anxious aspects or strategies and then on top of that there can be um, an added element of actual like fear due to like psychological physical intimidation physical abuse like many different types of like imminent threat to your being um so avoidance generally um can come across as very um charming they can actually come across as fairly secure just because they're pretty good at um, numbing their own emotions or cutting them off or finding a way to soothe soothe themselves in some way like self-regulate they tend to be a little bit better at regulating themselves but usually there's an added um, component of addiction there and it's not always super clear-cut like it can be many different micro addictions it can be process addictions so it can be reliance on different substances. It can be um, shopping addiction, porn, gambling, any of those process addictions as well. So it can be substances. It can be alcohol. It can be several different things at once in minute form. But instead of being able to like feel the feelings, it kind of goes into a space of distraction or dissociation or in order to regulate so that when they're in a relationship, they can show up as somewhat emotionally unavailable unavailable or they're the ones that are kind of um, adding that distance in and when they go to regulate themselves they will often like co-regulate with a process or a substance okay does that did, did i yeah, make yeah it makes sense okay how about how with sex addiction right so and then sex addiction would of course be a process addiction and so in my mind when i'm thinking about two people in a relationship and of course like this is why it's a multi-layered and complex topic because there is an idea that when you get married, it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to have sex with just this one person, like the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. Oh no. Right. Cause then it's like, things are good. But if you have the same like meal over and over, like if you have tacos for dinner every night, then at some point, are you going to want like halibut or something, you know, different, right? Tacos forever. Right. But then I feel like that doesn't necessarily address like all of these different aspects of like intimacy or sex or sexual exploration or even like Tantra, just like many different explorations of like um, the a deepening act of like intimacy in relationships, which is um, I think what we're kind of oh, anyway, this is like so later, but I think what we're talking about is like a person thinking about sex in a marriage as being like sex, right? But when you explore things very deeply, like intimacy, then that changes the entire landscape of what's possible for you to emerge into like intimacy, like divine union, like something like that's mystical that can happen. And like a sacred union is actually like a deepening. And then of course, when you're, fully surrendered to that moment, then you truly don't know what's going to happen. Like you're living in the unknown, but in that creative space of the unknown, right? True. And so basically what I'm saying is that when you're capped at a certain um, level of emotional intimacy or capacity due to past Mm -hmm. traumas, and you have more avoidant aspects, it's more likely that like the reason why you co-regulate with processes or substances is because it's not another human and another nervous system doesn't necessarily feel like a place that feels safe to, to deepen your intimacy. So if that's the case, then um, sexual addiction is another one of those things where it's, it's not about the intimacy. It's about scratching an itch. Yeah. 
for sure. Right? And, yeah. and so it's more about like having, having sex, having it often to stay ahead of those emotions so that you don't feel deeply. And there isn't, there is not often, or I would say probably not very likely that you're getting any kind of real intimacy from um, cross pollinating in all these different ways. If you're just like a horny bee, that's just hopping from flower to flower to flower and being like, Oh my God, I don't want to waste my time on one flower. There's so many flowers that I need to fuck. Then to me, it kind of speaks of a certain mindset of a person that is looking at sex as like a consumable or something that, um, you know, just kind of scratching an itch over and over again. And that it's, it's more of like a, potentially like a, a surface thing, but not uh, an actual intimacy thing. So then I would, I'm not, I don't want to say it's like an intimacy, like disorder, because I don't really, be, I don't really agree with that word disorder. I think it's the nervous system working in perfect order around anything that haven't, hasn't felt safe. And when there has been like deep grief, deep loss, deep trauma, around relationships, it would make sense why people actually don't pursue intimacy and why they might actually rather spread their love around between multiple partners, because then they don't have to go too deep with one person. And if one person is annoying them over here, they can go to another, but it's truly like wherever you go, there you are. And like, I think that it's really hard to escape yourself, even if you're doing that. So I've said a lot, but it's just something that I've been thinking about for a really long time. And that's one of the perspectives that I hold about polyamory is that I do think it, it comes from people that have more avoidant attachment styles and that have deep trauma around relationships where they would rather not have labels, would rather not have commitment, try to keep things more open-ended. I, I just think there's like a variety of, um, things that that are like hallmarks of that and then I think if they were to do a deeper investigation about where those come from that they they actually come from childhood traumas or relationship traumas where things have exploded and it's been horrible even if it's been uh, not necessarily anything that happened in childhood that they can point to because it can happen in so many different ways there's so many um, permutations of like how that can actually happen And what about the anxious attachment person? Well, that's a great question. Um, I actually think that for the anxious partner or person that they can have the opposite side where they overcommit and they hyper attach like too soon. And they go into this like over romanticized, like hyper, um, like hyper romantic, hyper attachment where they want to overcommit before they've even really like caught up with the other person or really what's going on. Because often in um, anxious attachment, they're so um, externally oriented and getting love from that other person. It can be so easy to attach to what feels good. And of course, when you first enter into relationships, those early phases can feel really, really good with all those different hormones like serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine, um, endorphins um, and just like that delicious like chemical sexual bonding that happens but then on the other side of it um, you know anxious people feel better when they're co-regulating so they feel a sense of safety like being attached to another person but what's interesting is you have to consider where the anxious attachment where they how their nervous systems have been conditioned by their own environment. Like what waters were they swimming in when they were younger? And usually it's um, from parents that were not attuned to meet their needs, were not emotionally available or were intermittently available, which set them up with kind of um, a, a addictive like reward cycle, like absence and then reward. And so it sets up this like kind of inconsistent behavior in relationships and they're not used to being pursued. And so they end up pursuing more to find safety, but they're more likely to pursue the same type of parent that set up their attachment in the first place, meaning they will pursue love that they can't really get close to. And incidentally, they end up being emotionally unavailable to themselves because they don't know how to tune in and self-soothe 
they only try to soothe through co-regulation with another person who really usually isn't able to co-regulate. So it is another case of like insecure attachment styles set us up for codependence and dysfunctional relationships, but also relationships that are devoid of any real intimacy because there is no inner intimacy. That has to happen first in order for there to be actual intimacy. I think about the environment of creating int inner intimacy, right? Of, um, well, that's got to be safe first, right? Mm -hmm. I think about like, you know, it wasn't until that I actually got help from somebody to actually enter into uh, feeling what was happening on the inside and like hanging out with it and, long enough to like watch it happen, you know? Uh, I don't know. I just think about, uh, you know, what is the environment of intimacy? That's a great question. Um, some people would say it's like the very quality of what God is, like the actual, that God is intimacy. It's like that state of deep knowing and in that um, being deeply known and being in a state of connection as you are deeply known. So it's deeply seeing and being seen. And um, it's interesting because I think it literally took my body starting to fall apart by my ret retina detaching. If that hadn't happened, I don't know that I would have investigated the fact that I was very numb, like physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. right. But um, it was really tricky because I was an actor and I was obviously like so very emotional, like all the time, you know, people would have called me emotionally generous, but when it came to myself, like I wasn't, I did not know how to like feel and hold space for and process my own emotions. Like I had no, no skill set, no, no knowledge of really knowing how to feel or what was going on with me. And it wasn't until I had some like serious stuff go on that I was like, holy shit. I have been feeling a certain way for two weeks and I couldn't even tell you what those feelings are. Like, I don't even know what I'm feeling. Like when I first started to feel and that was, it was really shocking for me because like, of course I could feel things, but I was in such a state of like dissociation dissociation and disconnection from myself that I was very numb most of the time and not really able to attune to myself at all. And then there was so much inner rejection and shame about having these emotions that my main outlet was acting because when I was playing a character, I couldn't be shamed or I couldn't necessarily be wrong. I mean, I could be a bad actor. Um, and I don't think anyone ever accused me of that. Of course, I probably felt that at times, but it was, a reprieve for me to be able to play characters and express my emotions and be very emotional. So it was definitely an outlet for me and an excellent way of coping because I had been shut down and shamed and victimized so many times over my own emotions growing up that I completely shut down. And so I did not have any kind of emotional intimacy. I didn't have any relationship to myself where I could see myself or allow myself to be seen fully. And it's still, you know, it's still a practice that I, I think um, will continue with me. And I think it continues for everyone until the day we die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Intimacy, personal intimacy, and how that actually, <laughs> how that actually affects your life. Okay. So I could say pretty easily that for most of my life, my, you know, I guess I had a level of intimacy, right? But not a deep level, right? So there's a whole sort of set of deep things that are happening inside of me. The deepest things, maybe the most important things, the things that are actually moving my life and, and like forming what I actually care about in the directions I go in, right? Had no relationship with that. Like, I described my being for most of my life as little boat on big ocean. 
-hmm. And so it's not until I'm introduced to said ocean and start to like feel it and be with it and understand how it goes outwards and interacts with the things where it's like, holy, holy fuck. So you're not little boat on big ocean. You are actually big ocean. I'm still little boat. No, don't get me wrong. <laughs> still little boat. But, but you're um, both. You're well, both. I have, you're I have like... one oar. I'm going in circles and I have a monocle now. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, fuck. We're on a big fucking ocean, you know? I don't know if that's true, but I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like your sense of humor. Anyway, I don't think, whatever, that's, that's all we talk about. Like, trying to underline the importance of this relationship, right? Of seeing where yeah. you are and why you are there and the reasons too. And when you don't yes. have that relationship and you haven't built up that relationship, your life will go in all kinds of directions, right? It will just yes. unfold in ways that it's just like, but the deep knowing or the deep understanding or like actually connecting in like a creative way, right? There's the Hawkins scale of energy. And I think that like being in no intimacy, living from deep wounds falls way down the energetic scale. Yeah, it's like fear not, and shame, which is yeah. like resonating. I don't know if that's the same thing as like the hurt scale, which is- Yeah, um, uh, it's somewhere in there, but it's no, very it's similar. Muscle testing, but yeah, similar. So I think right. on that scale, like the numbers are like zero to 20. Yeah. And if you consider like our true nature, which is love and connection, like that is supposed to be in the 700s. So it's like zero to 20 to like 700, like who we really are. Right. So we're actually built for intimacy where we are made to see and be deeply seen. And of course we all have trauma that gets in the way of us allowing others to see us. And then also um, ways that it gets, it gets in the way of us being able to like see ourselves deeply. And when we don't see or know ourselves deeply and we have no self intimacy, then we cannot share who we are because we don't know who we are. And yeah, I mean, like, you're still a boat. You, you're still out living, bumping around, doing shit. You know, sometimes it's even good shit. Like, you know, think about, be. okay. All of the relationships I've had in my life, you know, up, up until five years ago, are they all like garbage? No, it's not all garbage. Yeah. Oh, like, well, because, I think we're all a mixture of like con like our consciousness, what, what's been made conscious or what we're aware of, or maybe what our personal strengths are. Like we have certain things that we can rely on. And then of course we have like our, what we lack in conscious awareness. So it can be like that little diagram where it's like the top, the tip of the glacier and then everything that's underwater. So it's like, I don't know, like 4% to 96% or what, right. whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. So it's like, maybe hopefully the goal is to like expose some of the, or whatever, to bring forth what I could possibly bring forth in this life to the best of my abilities to like shine where I could shine and not let everything stay yeah. underwater and stay unconscious and be ruled by old things that happened, old agreements and old emotional hurts, you know? It's like, yeah, if you can it's... rise through that cream <laughs> that's where creativity lives, which is on another side of an energetic coin, right? Which is where the magic happens. Yes. Right. Yeah. Creativity. But it's, um, it's that quote, like my favorite, it's my favorite quote because I say it all the time, but until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Carl mm -hmm. Jung, like brilliant. Like, I feel like that sums up to me. It like sums up almost every, like, I don't know. It's just like my, my favorite quote, yeah. um, because I feel like so true. Um, but also something that I think is, is very true is that unless we heal our inner relationship and have intimacy within ourselves, we do, we, we cannot have mm -hmm. with someone else, what we do not have with ourselves. And so if you find dysfunction in your relationships or you find lack of intimacy or lack of ability to commit or whatever you find out there, it more than likely is pointing to some things within you, especially if it's a pattern. I'm not saying like the one-offs because sometimes you can't take everything that personally. 
because then you'll end up like like not a bad idea to like take responsibility for what's showing up in your life but sometimes it's just not useful or helpful in those moments depending on like the kind of victimization you've been going through or whatever like sometimes it's just not fucking helpful to be like oh this happened because like i am this person inside like maybe maybe not but especially when it comes to like repeating patterns that you see like certain themes that keep showing up again and yeah, again for sure rest assured wherever you go there you are so if you have dysfunction showing up in your relationships or you find you get in a lot of arguments or you find that you attract lots of people that cannot commit or are very um, emotionally avoidant unavailable if you don't have that sense of intimacy with yourself if your relationship with yourself is not healed and whole and committed and known you're not likely to replicate that outside of yourself not to say you can't learn and receive that i think you can but um i just think that healing this relationship and you can do that by yourself you can do it with mentors teachers workshops however all the different mo modalities with yourself in and out of relationships prayers like whatever you do all means of healing but it comes down to your connection with yourself your higher self and your connection with source and if you don't have that then you're wandering around like a chicken with his head cut off like yeah. trying to you know go in a straight line it's not going to happen you're not going to get what you want right that's polyamory i don't know do you have anything else to say did we like I say it all uh no not even close there's like 10,000 things we could talk about you know and there well i i just well i remember that we were sort of talking about like this uh situation that you had brought up and that i thought it was funny and i was like did you want to talk about it and you said you would be willing to talk about some aspects of it but just like where your head was at when it came to like pursuing relationships and like what some of your thoughts were but i'm also interested in knowing like what your perspective is on polyamory because i know we had a discussion about this and i don't know if we touched on everything we said but i thought you brought up some really interesting points uh well all the patterns it just makes me think about <laughs> pattern recognition now right so it's uh like you said you're recognizing patterns out in your life things are going sort of like ill or like bad vibes you know it's uh -huh. really uh, just a reflection of what's happening here so it's like bad vibes out here it's like you have to check into your own your own relationship which is like sort of a new way to see things you know like when when you start to see like uh emotionality or i don't know like sort of like some weird relationship with source energy as like the the thing that pops everything off you know or just the way that energy flows through people you know, it starts to look different, you know. So, um, you know, <laughs> I think about uh, my own sort of like personal interactions with uh, polyamory about, uh, you know, being so, uh, being so without boundaries and like desperate for attention, you know, where it's just like, oh, polyamory, cool, that's cool with me cool <laughs> let's do it let's do it because more than anything in the world like i need some goddamn attention like i need some fucking love and i'll essentially put up with anything like i don't even care you know yeah you're like wait i just have one question will will you touch my penis will, will there be penis touching at some point yeah I mean, so like sign me up it's but i don't I mean, necessarily think that's the only like reason but the penis touching is important <laughs> The way to a man's yeah, heart is through his penis, you know. Everybody knows that. Um, I mean, yes. But it, I it's think so. but the, the but the desperate pull of that, or like the thing that makes you even stay, is like some desperate nature with that. So it's an insecurity. It's not that's not coming from like a, a wonderful place, you know. I think a healed place would be like, oh, what's considered me? Let's consider how I think about it. Let's consider like what I feel like is creative and uh, like worth pursuing in a relationship, you know. And so <laughs> I think minus all of the, minus all of the well, uh, traumatic conclusions and the ways that those infect my being, I'm actually interested in like, seeing how close, like 
intimacy, it's into me see. I want to see how much I can be seen. And it's like creating an environment just between sort of like two polarities of two people of like exposing your soul, uh, like depths of truth, you know, but also I think about like gardening about like, you know, you have this uh, energetic place where two people hang out and like, it would be very cool if you could get together and decide, but like, let's tend to this, let's have it be important for both of us, you know, and see how we can use our polarity creatively and uh, what kind of things we could actually create, right? And in the, the strength of the trust that we create about what kind of things we could birth through that. Like, how could we pull forth from our, from our DNA, from our time here on earth, the best of us? And so it's like, uh, <laughs> you be you and I'll be me and we'll use each other as mirrors and sort of as stabilizers and we'll see what we can, see what we can do. Right. Um, I had a lot of just different things that were, that were kind of flashing through my mind, but one of them was, um, I read this book recently called Becoming, and this was um, Ben and Azria Becker. Mm -hmm. And I heard it, I learned about them from listening to Aubrey Marcus, which I love his podcast. So, um, but in their book, like they were talking about their relationship, like um, something they said was like beyond all of my my personal preferences or my preferences like what does love want and what's interesting mm. is like you kind of you follow their relationship and they talk about all the ways in which it, it was very like non-conventional but also which felt very aligned for them at different times and so what was interesting to me is that what came first for them was truly their connection to like their higher self and source no matter what and I wholeheartedly agree that that's one of the most important things. Now, hmm. in this book, their relationship at one point kind of becomes, I don't know if they would have necessarily called it a thruple, but they had another person that, you know, they invited into their union and they said it was like beautiful. It was like gorgeous. It was, you know, yeah. and I think, um, and, and like anybody coming from a, a more like religious or conservative, like monogamy model would be like, Oh, holy shit. But in reading about it and just like listening, just like understanding where it was coming from. And to me, just listening to them, like it, it sounded like it was in total alignment with who they are, which is, which just makes me think like, I do think that there are probably people here that maybe have come to experience things like that and that might be their path and the only way to know is to get as honest with yourself as you can like to really tap into that place of expansion which usually feels like inspiration like it feels expansive it feels good but it usually feels scary as shit because there's like a limiting belief or a part of you or, or trauma or some some part that is going to be exposed to truth and thus be transformed or die mm. in some way, which can feel really scary. Um, but it also just made me think like something else that they said in the book where they were talking, they were equating um, intimacy and commitment with freedom. And they were saying like the real path to freedom was, was actually further commitment for them. Yeah. And I think it was something for her that she did not expect or she didn't see coming. Hmm. So in some ways it was like they were, they were making both the case for commitment and intimacy between two people, yeah. but also there was like a point when it was for three people and that didn't yeah. last, but it's also like, I think there can be this flawed premise with monogamy that if you commit to this, dyad or this couple that it's going to last like a lifetime or that you're only oh, going to yeah. be with this person or it's going to be you know perfect and a lot, like i think no matter what path you choose whether you choose polyamory or you choose monogamy like i think you're gonna confront your shit along the way but i think the most important thing that we can do is to try to be as honest as we can 
about what parts of ourselves are choosing our relationships or choosing how we mm. go about relationships. Yeah. Um, because truly, it, I don't think it's so much about the definition or like expression of that relationship as much as it is like the emotions around it, like how that really feels to your soul. Does this feel like the most expansive? Does it feel safe? Um, does it feel nourishing and generative? And if everyone's consenting and it's like, great, like, great. If, if this is like pure, like so satisfying and everybody's happy and getting their needs met, then I'm just like, potentially the more the merrier. I don't know, but I do think um, everyone's different in, in maybe how their soul came to express or who they came here to be or, or what, um, who they came to like pair up with or whatever. Cause I just think if you think about um, us being like vehicles of consciousness, then there's just like so many per permutations or, or yeah. ways that energy can express itself like through us. Right. And uh, I, d I think that it's when we have the addition of like fear or scarcity or hate or judgment in there that we're, then we separate from like who we truly are. Mm. And so I guess um, I just think that it, a lot of times we can feel like monogamy can be the solution or polyamory can be the solution to our problems, especially if like you have wounding one way, like if you had parents that like didn't commit or that was like such a mess, like your nervous system or your parts might be like, oh, the solution is commitment and I will only be committed because like this is the solution because this is how i'm going to find my safety or this is this is going to fix the pain inside of me or the suffering and on the other hand if you found that your parents were like unhappily married or there was cheating or there was all kinds of stuff and then it created chaos then your nervous system solution might say well polyamory is the solution because commitment was so painful and i think it's up to us to get a lot of clarity on what's really there, like in the unconscious driving these things, because truly sure. we, there is nothing external that we can hold on to for a sense of safety that like there is no guarantee period that you will walk with one person for the rest of your life, that there will be no hiccups in that relationship, whether it's cheating or whatever <laughs> happens that, you know, you will stay together. Like there are people who haven't gotten married and like six months later been like, I don't like, I can't do this. Like, I love you very much, but also I need to go. And it's just like, we can't always know or, or be able to promise someone more than what we know. And as humans, like we have such a limited perspective. And so at one point, what may be right for you or an alignment for you may change two years down the road, five years down the road. So, I mean, I don't want to like scare anybody, but, <laughs> but it's just like, there's nothing external that you can grab onto that will give you any guarantee of safety or true stability because that must come from you first and foremost, but also trusting in the, the providence and abundance of the universe that there will be someone else for you where you don't always have to walk alone or it doesn't have to look like loneliness or sadness and that there can be beautiful lessons and when you have relationship ruptures that there's always the possibility of repair that there's always the possibility of like more love and more expansion and also just finding that place of peace and love and acceptance inside of yourself because we haven't talked about this yet but there are people i think on this earth that are meant to probably not necessarily coexist or be in a romantic partnership that do feel called to be alone and maybe part of their journey is recognizing that that's where they actually feel the most expansive and the best is being out of that and that maybe they encounter relationships in very brief periods or maybe it's through you know finding different ways of intimacy but i don't think there's one size that fits all um, but when it comes, but when I look at it from an attachment or relationship lens, because I'm a relationship coach, I'm always going to be very curious when people come to me and they've got commitment stuff going on, because I do believe that, um, 
a lot of people are struggling through the the trauma of what they witnessed in their parents' marriage. And they're either trying to like emulate or reject or like find a, a way, like a, a solution to that deeper problem, which is really just them um, opening up and finding some peace and healing available to them so that they can actually access their truth, whatever that is. Hmm. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else to say. I think we said plenty. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess that's it. I can't think of anything else. I think I touched on the other things that kind of came up. Um, yeah, this might be actually one of our shorter podcasts, which is sort of interesting. Why do you say that? Because I think it's just like an hour. And usually, don't we talk a little longer? Uh, the shortest one so far has been 47 minutes. Whoa, that's pretty short. Okay, this isn't that short. All right. Yeah. Um, Questions? Now, what exactly did you say? Polyamory. We need a recap. <laughs> yeah. No, I, so I was thinking, um, oh yeah. The one thing that I was sort of thinking was like dating and polyamory, like how, um, you know, people dating will like meet people online and then people are defining themselves as like more monogamous or polyamory polyamorous or mm -hmm. all the different you know yeah. there's like I, I don't think I'm, I'm even up to speed with all the different things because there's like oh they're doing it the kids are doing it all kinds of ways these days right yeah so there's there's it's like the wild wild west out there um but it's interesting because it always it just like boils down to connection and our nervous system and how that mm -hmm. is trying to find that sense of like safety and equilibrium and co-regulation with another nervous system mm -hmm. and what we're usually attracted to is um you know they say like like attracts like which i feel like is true but you may notice that so confused like, and addicted <laughs> well i'll just i'll try to explain this because like attracts like, but opposites also attract, and both are true. And the reason mm. why they're both true is because in order for there to be attraction, there has to be polarity. Right. So without polarity, there's really not a there's not like attraction because there's yeah, no like. So there's got to be a charge. dimension of polarity, but how does the like like work? Right. Okay. I'm glad you asked that because I was going to say. So what I've seen or started to notice is that when it comes to relationships or relationship issues mm -hmm. is that the, the same, the core wound is like the same. So if you consider like the core wounds or the, the things that are healed, the, if you think of every subject or issue um, as being, hold on just a second. You said core wounds. What in the hell is a core wound? And how many oh. different ways could I be wounded? <laughs> You know, these are just many, flavors. many, many. So many, if somebody shoots many, me, many. they can shoot me in the back, they can shoot me in the side, they can shoot me in the head, you know, like core wound, like, you know. So I think well, about abandonment, right? Rejection, which is abandonment. Um, uh, what, I, what else would, do we got? I don't know how many, like, like core Damaged. wounds. But I would say, like, some of these bigger, like, traumas, like wounds, like a uh, core wound or a core, like, limiting belief could be, like, yeah, basic assumption enough, of I'm how never yeah. enough, or I'm not worthy of connection or I am unloved, those kind of things. And those right? kind of go, those those birds flock together. Those birds flock together because that's emotional, that's like a certain kind of emotional resonance, right? Right, which doesn't need, I mean, which do, there's not like a sexual or like a polarity inside of that thing. They're just 
So it, it's interesting. This feels holographic because it's same, there's sameness that we it need is. And, and differences. <laughs> it is holographic. So well, I'm trying to explain. So the, the like energy can be similar, I think, like um, emotional. Deep wounding ways to see the world, right? Emotional Deep resonance. Deep wounding emotional resonance in some ways. So maybe okay. underlying like limiting belief, it being the same core, which is like, I'm never enough. But then when it comes to sure. polarity, how that can show up is in like two different ways. So we have usually emulation or rejection of certain behaviors. So how the wound became, how one person expresses that wound is a certain way. And this is where polarity comes into, comes into it. And the other person, I'm, I'm probably doing a bad job of explaining this, but I will talk about this in like cycles of abuse or what I've seen is like, you can have like a perpetrator and a victim or someone that's more obviously in the role of perpetrator and someone more obviously in the role of victim. Okay. So we'll just use it as like, in this case, it's a person who outwardly expresses their anger and projects that outward. And the other person assumes the role of like taking on that anger or blame or victimization. Oh, okay. So this is how, okay. <laughs> They're, they're both the same. They have this rejection, but they're playing different roles and playing out they're playing their different deep roles. rejection. Yes. Yes. Okay. And there's polarity but, in those roles, right? Yeah. Yes. Right? There's polarity in those roles. So there's an attraction there. And then usually there's many layers of like polarity or attraction. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. So in these roles, actually, even though I'm showing this as being two separate individuals, this thing is actually going on inside each individual as well. So okay, each person actually There's four ponies in this race now. <laughs> yes. Yes. At least for this subject, there are four. Ponies. Yeah, I get, so, I get they, they can wear these different masks of playing the yeah. sort of the, so then it and depends, the right. Oh. So then it depends on how they ordinarily choose to show up in that relationship. Anyway, huh. but that's yeah. probably another we could God, yeah, that's Pandora's podcast. box. Don't go there. Okay, Jesus. well well yeah, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so I think we've said all we've said on polyamory and we'll go into that one, but Fuck. yeah. Yeah. All right. Like, comment, subscribe, come say hi. Oh yeah, and our um Instagram, our social links are below. Um, I would love to hear comments on this and just other perspectives of you know, of course. And um Oh yeah, and now we have an Instagram page for the podcast, which is exciting. So oh, yeah. there as well. I don't think you didn't even say anything that was half bad at all. I know, but I wanted to be, you know what I'm I'm just like very diplomatic and mm -hmm. of course I'm like, I'm the I'm just the messenger, don't shoot me. <laughs> They're coming for you. You specifically. Yeah. You're I you do. I know. Um but yeah, that's well I but I also wanted to be like I really try to think about these things and be open-minded. Like, I don't want to be like, my goal is never to be like judgmental. I want to be more open-minded and compassionate, like really understanding that there's so many different like facets and things that go into this. Like that's what about making mean. mistakes. What, what if you make mistakes? Is that okay? Can you make yeah, mistakes? It's, yeah. Yes. It's okay. It's okay. okay. But, um, I gotta uh, go. All right. So emotional. It's time. Bye everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>